Welcome to the Talented Learning Show, Episode 9, with your host and independent tech analyst, John Lay. Today I interview Linda Bauer, CTO at WBT Systems, about e-commerce trends and innovations for the professional development and association learning community. You can find more of our content at TalentedLearning.com. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Talented Learning Show. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning technology solutions from both the vendor and the practitioner perspectives. Today, from the vendor expert side, we're thrilled to have Linda Bowers, Chief Technical Officer of WBT Systems, an award-winning Dublin-based solution company, software solution company that has been focused on association and certification solutions for over two decades. Linda has been directly involved in association learning technology with WBT Systems since 2004, holding a series of roles of increasing responsibility from the Director of Solution Delivery, VP of Strategic Account Development, VP of Services and Support, and now CTO. She is an expert at planning, deploying, and improving association commerce efforts, and we can't wait to learn all about it. Welcome, Linda. Welcome. Thank you very much, John. That's, that's quite the introduction. Quite the introduction. Well, you deserve it and more. Well, as you, as you know, Linda, at, at Talented Learning, uh, we focus our, our fiercely independent research analysis and consulting in the field of extended enterprise learning technology, uh, which is the science and the art of strategically using learning technology to often to generate revenue for your non-employee audiences, such as members, customers, prospects, and partners. Uh, I've been following uh, WPT systems for a long time. First, I competed against you for about 10 years in the association space in my career as an LMS sales guy, and, and now for almost five years as uh, the lead analyst to Talented Learning, I've been impressed with uh, your degree of organizational focus and solution development specifically uh, for this space and not really ever getting distracted into other things but just seem to, to really have a laser focus on certifications, continuing education, association, and commerce uh, space. And so as an organization, um, I really think you guys have uh, led and, and are leading in a lot of ways uh, the, the industry forward and can't wait to hear some of uh, your insights today, but maybe to take a step back for everybody. Could you tell us about your tell us about your organization and the, the solutions that you provide, Linda? Yeah, absolutely. So the the organization is WBT Systems, and we have a, a one solution which is top class. Um, and historically, going back, we um, you know we had we had this focus on corporate corporate uh, selling and association markets and a whole pile of different uh, different areas that we used to sell in. But quite a number of years ago, we decided to lock that down, and our core focus now is association. So we put all of our energy around roadmap, product development, um, and sort of research all goes into what really is needed for the association market. So that includes things like, you know, any, any organizations that are selling to, as you said, external users. So they're members. Um, People who gain benefits from their training, organizations where they're um, that they're selling to, where where an association is selling to different organizations and providing them training facilities, um, and that really encompasses all the areas of functionality you mentioned around things like certification management, uh, credits and maintaining credits over the years, e-commerce, different business models to accomplish that, and a whole host of different functionality that's really, you know, very specific to this market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Wonderful. And and your role as, as CTO is probably not a traditional or uh, uh, what most people would consider as a, a traditional CTO uh, role as it's um, more broad, I think. Uh, could you tell us about 
what you do on a daily basis and, and uh, you know, how you work with clients and, you know, kind of with you involved, how that uh, translates into the product. What, tell us about yeah, your Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and as you're, you're completely right. My, my role is not really that traditional. As you, as you mentioned from my background, my background actually is from implementation side. So um, since I've taken over as CTO, I, I'm obviously responsible for the roadmap, but I have maintained my direct connection with all of the clients. So I'm heavily involved in the, in the sales process. Because uh, I like to engage directly and find out what people are looking for and the problems that they're trying to solve, um, and then once obviously if we you know are successful in the sale and people be, you know the the organizations become our clients and our customers, I reach out to them directly on a fairly regular basis to um, you know see how things are going, ensure that they're happy and and successful with the implementation, but also then to see if they'd like to engage and, and sort of provide feedback on any of the areas that we're working on in the product. Um, get their input and also sort of hope that they will help me drive the direction of the product going forward because really uh, you know obviously our customers are the experts in what we're trying to do here mm-hmm mm-hmm and so uh, you know we the audience doesn't know but Lynn and I get together every few months or so and trade notes on uh, association trends you know what we're seeing uh, on the front lines of, of the marketplace and why don't you uh, Give us an update. You know, what, what do you see from uh, association trends? What's different in 2018 than maybe even 2016, a couple of years ago, of, of what you see in the market? Um, with a number of different things. I think uh, we're seeing, and I know you and I have spoken about this in the past, we're seeing, um, we're seeing certainly a, a bigger up, uptrend in uh, organizations who are moving from just the straightforward um, delivery of training to their members to um, sort of extending their business models to trying to sell features to organizations and not just members. So a bigger bigger um, bulk sell, which is a, quite a different business model. We're seeing that more and more. Um, and that has a whole interesting set of challenges that is very different to sort of doing the individual selling where you're, you know, kind of putting up a shopping cart with, you know, different courses and selling and selling them all individually for a price, which is, you know, one model. This is, is, is very different. That's certainly one sort of trend we're seeing more recently. And then we're seeing um, people also trying to expand their product ranges to sell um, and provide better service to their to their end users as well, whether that's, um, you know, combining certification programs, a lot more uh, organizations offering certification programs where they you wouldn't have natively seen that before, um, and, and tying that into their, their learning and um, sort of core offerings. Uh, will be another trend that we're sort of seeing, certainly for for um, some of the no- more um, non-traditional areas where certification is is mandatory. Uh, that will be a second one, um, and then we're seeing some of the more interesting trends. You know, obviously things like gamification, badges, um, personalization, and interaction is is always a key, and it's it has been moving forward quite fast in the last two years. Um, certainly in the last while, we've seen more and more interest in that area as well. Just to mm. name a few. Wow, great. Great. Well, let's dig into uh, that. That certainly aligns with uh, with trends that I'm I'm seeing. Also, let's let's dig into a couple of your points. Uh, mainly commerce. Uh, can you give us an example of when you say selling to organizations or organizational members as a, a new trend? What, what? How does that manifest itself? What does that look like? Uh, so traditionally, if you take you know sort of if you sort of were to look at this a few years ago, in most cases, an association would have there are members and the non-members that they're, you know, looking to provide training to and courses to and provide credits to, et cetera. Um, and they would be, you know, you'd create a course, you'd typically offer it up in, in, in LMS or through an AMS if you're using an AMS, um, allow the end user to purchase it for, 
a price, and if they're a member, potentially it'd be slightly cheaper, and at that point, they would then get enrolled, take the course, and achieve their credit. So that's sort of a simplified version of the sort of normal process. What I'm seeing now is that some of those associations and organizations are now trying to, instead of selling to end users, they're trying to sell to uh, corporations and organizations. So they may go out to company ABC, who maybe has 100 people working for them who all need similar training. Mm -hmm. uh, and they would then contract directly with that organization to provide the training for those people. So you're now not looking at an individual cell, you're looking at an organizational-based cell. And that has a whole slew of different elements, particularly from an e-commerce perspective that need to be considered. Uh, you know, you're looking at um, issues like how do you manage, you know, is it a contract that you're going to agree with them in advance? And what does that business model look like? Is it, you know, are you giving them access to a library of courses or are they paying as, as their users go, or, or is it a sort of a bulk purchase, a bundle, for it, so to speak, that they're buying? So there's a whole pile of different ways that you can approach it from a pricing perspective and a, and a contractual perspective. And then you also then have to look at things like how do they then pay for it? Is it, is it an upfront payment? Do you have an agreement where they pay you um, retroactively? You know, is it staged? Does, you know, do you want them to pay you separately through a financial system? And then you have, you know, potentially an additional integration point into the LMS, or is it something that you want the e-commerce engine, if it exists in the LMS, to handle all of the payment by those organizations as well? So as you can see, there's a lot of different options and a lot of things to consider, even in just the e-commerce area for that, for that uh, business model. Wow. Wow. And uh, so it seems to make a lot of sense, of, you know, set of some, some for 300, you know, maybe you get 3,000 and, and you put 15 people through. It uh, certainly has a lot of advantages to doing that. But how do you... But, how do you get the users in the system? So say I buy 100, uh, you know, I buy 100 users on that ABC company. How do, they, how do they find out how to get to the content or log into the system? It seems like there's a lot of complexity of just that piece. Uh, absolutely. I think user provisioning in this case is certainly a challenge. And there's a number of different ways I've seen it done and a number of different you know, ways that people have considered doing it. Uh, you know, in one example or one uh, customer we have who's implemented this, they... Uh, once they purchase it, they give access to what, what, what you would call a corporate administrator who effectively can see a list of the courses that they've access to and they can send invites out to any of their employees. So they'll receive an email, they can click on the link, they effectively self-register at that point, which allows them then to um, access immediately access the system and the course. And once they self-register, it takes up um, a seat, out, effectively a seat out of the license that they've bought. That's one approach where it's you know it's core, it's driven by the the organisation that has purchased it, but they're not preloading the users. They're literally just you know typing in their email addresses and inviting them, and then letting it be almost like a self-serve option for the end users. Hmm. So that's sort of one one side of the approach. And then you could swing to the whole other side, where potentially um, you you know if you're using an AR, an AMS or a CRM, you know you might have all those users preloaded. Um, or you may receive sort of an integration file or uh, from the, the organization you sold to, in which case you could preload the users into your AMS or CRM and have them dynamically pulled in to the LMS um, and have, you know, ha have to, an automatic email go out to them with their login details and pre-register them in the courses. You, see, you could really go from one extreme where it's all self-serve to another one where it's integration-based. And it may not need to be with your own AMS or CRM. You may also even go... A step further if you really want to offer sort of a service to to the organizations where you do a custom integration specifically to that organization's HR system for example to pull in the data it, it, it really depends on sort of the volume of 
volume of users you're you're working with within an organization and how how much um, you want to let them self drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. When you talk about the the seats of the license um, that an organization will purchase, can can you clarify? Does this does can the purchase happen like right within the, the system, or is it always something that's happening externally with sales forces or consultants, and you know they strike that uh, you know from a you know non-technology perspective and then kind of enter it in administratively? Is there one more sure, problem than I mean, the other? Or? Um, I would say probably um, at the moment. I, I would say previously it had been definitely that it was more prevalent that it would be sold externally. Um, and an agreement reached externally, uh, and then at that point it was either the contract or the terms or the license or whatever you you know is the preferred terminology was it was created in the AMS or directly in the LMS to give the users access and set that up, um, and that would have been more prevalent historically. I I am seeing more of a move to try and put some of that online, particularly for if you're targeting organizations that are not particularly large. So you know you may have you know you want to sell bulk sales. 50 courses as opposed to being 2,000 courses. So, you know, for the sort of smaller organizations, putting that capability online is is becoming a bigger request now. And certainly people, I think, are, are moving that way where it is becoming, again, self-serve for the purchase of these these uh, these contracts as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell us about, uh, that makes sense, tell us about the, the content management. You know, I feel like that would be another piece here that that would be challenging. So. How does this work? The, the, the association uh, creates like a central repository of content, and then that repository is shared out to these different customers, but managed once or updated in, in one central place? Or does each yeah, customer get a version of it? Again, I think that depends on what you're trying to achieve from a business perspective. Um, in a lot of cases, yes, you would have a central repository of content that's managed by the association that they say, they sell and offer, and they make it available to these organizations and it is a you know update once update all approach mm-hmm. entirely controlled by the association and there's no customizations in that content for the organizations it's, it is uh, um, sort of a one-stop offering um, so that's sort of one approach but then you can go to the further extreme where you actually you know effectively um, give each organization their own copy of the content and maybe it's not a copy of the entire content but you you, you give them the option to customize elements of it. Mm-hmm. So maybe their introduction needs to be different or they want some branding on it or they want to have some specific testing at the end of it, but maybe the core content is the same, in which case you could then go to kind of a combination model where you either put that in place for them yourselves as an offering and then use the core content from your centralized repository. So you're maintaining your capability to do an update once, update all approach, which cuts down obviously on maintenance and so forth but still giving them the, the personalization that they need. Or you could go further and just, you know, provide them a copy of it in their, within the LMS, but within their own domain, so to speak, so that they could then change it, tweak it, and, and uh, you know, make it completely their own if, if needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how about, uh, thanks for that, how about from uh, the, the content itself then, uh, where, where does that come from? Is, is, is there trends now? Maybe my better question is, what, what are the trends in terms of associations? Are they authoring intra-learning management systems with just inherent tools and assembling content there? Or is it still you know, primarily third-party authoring tool driven in the, the creation of content or something different? What, what are you seeing? 
um, from, from my perspective, I'm still seeing it that it is in a lot of cases third-party content-driven. And hmm. um, so it's being created in, you know, in a lot of cases, it's still being created in, in tools such as Articulate um, and so forth. Um, Clearly, the core content, and you know, in you know, in X API standard or Chinkan or, or SCORM or one of those standards, and then brought into the LMS um, um, that way. But that being said, we are also seeing quite a, a number of cases where some of the content is done like that, but things like the additional resources, testing, and so forth is, is you know, is also being done directly within the LMS. So it, it is potentially, in cases, becoming more combined. So you know, it could be a bit of one and a bit of the other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how about social learning? I mean, mobile is an obvious one, yes, but social learning is, is that something that all, some, or none of your clients, uh, you know, tie into the, the platform and the content? Um, I would say no, certainly not all, uh, but there is an increasing number. We have seen, particularly in the last, um, in the last um, 12 to 18 months, an increased demand for things like embedding discussion forms, for example, within programs. Maybe not if it's just a straight course, you know, where it's it's a you know a, a self-paced course that you're just taking. But if it's a program that you're involved in, seeing more demand for things like discussion forums and cohorts and so forth, where people can, you know, jump into that as part of the program that they're taking part in, and maybe even within that, in subsections or modules within their program, have dedicated forums for those, so that they can share and communicate with other people who are taking part. Um, certainly, we're seeing, you know, just even that as an example. Uh, we are seeing that uh, more, but it's certainly not not widespread. I wouldn't have said yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When uh, uh, thanks for that. When you're you're talking about uh, just doubling back real quick to this license thing that's still sticking with me. So say we go to that a- ABC company and and we give them uh, we externally sell them you know a license to a uh, hundred training pads or a hundred curriculums or. Or, or something like that, and we describe that as you say. How does how does that get measured? Is there actually mechanisms in there that you're, you know, the admin can say, I have a hundred licenses now, I have ninety seven, or you're kind of just doing that through. Sure. Yeah. Reports? We I mean, well, in in the case of our LMS, there's a specific. We we one of the options we have is a, a license pool module. So if you were, you know, one option is that you can set that um, a license pool can be associated with an organization and you can define what the rules or the terms of those licenses are. So it could be that there's 100 users have access to an entire library of courses for the period of a year, mm. um, or 100 users have access to one named course for a year, or any combination. You know, 100 users have access to the following five courses. So, you know, really, there's a, you, know, you can set the rules up whatever way you want. But once that's started, you can then, um, once those users are invited to that course or enrolled in that course, then you have a license dashboard where, as a company and organization, you can see the number of licenses that you have available, what the dates are, how many people are currently taking up seats in that license, and how many of those seats are actually used. So just because somebody's invited doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to actually do anything in it. Mm-hmm. So while they'll, they'll lock a seat, you know, or uh, take up a seat in that license, they don't necessarily actually use it. So you can see the status of how many people are, are taking up seats and how many people have actually started a course and have, you know, have taken a seat permanently and how many are free and you can see that and then you can you know one of the simple things that that um you know a lot of people like particularly in this model is having a concept of an overflow so you may have sold somebody 100 licenses but you don't necessarily have to cut off their access at 100 you could agree with them that there's an overflow capability they get notified when they breach the 100 user limit 
you get notified, and then that sort of gives you the opportunity to go back to them and potentially upsell if you're, you know, if that's something you want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's it's a much more friendly way than just shutting off access. Sorry, you can't. Absolutely, absolutely. You can't have any more. So it seems like you know we go back to uh, when you're talking about individual commerce. You know, it seems like you know my experience. Yeah, you know, I've reviewed now 175 different LMSs, and it's hard to find one that doesn't have that individual piece to some degree of putting a price on a piece of content and sticking it up there and you know, having some sort of shopping cart and and checkout process. Pretty easy stuff to do in, in 2018. And so a lot of LMSs say, you know, we could do that. We're great for associations because, you know, we have that model. But as we dig into that that business-to-business model, again here, but what about the administrators at ABC Company? Uh, or the you know, the person at at that company that's actually buying the licenses. You mentioned the dashboard license, but what else do you provide them? Like, what kind of functionality, or what, what do they get? So I'm an association, and I've got a hundred of these ABC companies that you know all have a hundred uh, learners in them. What what's that delegated administrative ability look like? Um, well, from, from I, I mean, I've seen the requirements be very varied, and um. So it could be as simple as the, these administrators just need a you know a basic dashboard to see how their end users are doing, um, and the capability to to assign those people training, and that's the the limit of it. So very basic functionality, um, and they don't want to get into anything else. But then you can go to the full extent, and and um, I think the more you get into this model, the the more you become exposed to where, um, you know, not only are you selling these organizations' courses, but you may also be getting to a point where you're basically providing them a mini LMS solution for themselves. And if you get to that point, then you may get to a situation where they basically are having a domain within your LMS where they have access to your content that they've bought from a contractual perspective, but extended features like they can import their own content or they, you know, and have their own dedicated catalog that's private to them um, and their own branding and custom notifications, etc. And really a whole slew of functionality over and above just the sort of the initial agreement, which was for them to access your content. Wow, wow, wow! Uh, so it sounds like you know, for each and every client, they've got a, a ton of decision points to make because uh, each one of these, you know, has has lots of uh, implications in time, and implementation, and administrative costs and risk on how much or yeah, how little. There's a huge pile of options. I mean, one of the other things that's important to consider in this as well is if you have a big um, end member um, membership, uh, individual membership as well as this business model, you, one of the other things you need to consider is how is this business model going to affect them? Because the the likelihood is that quite a number of the people, um, the end users within the organization you sell to, may also be your members. So you also need to consider that when you're when you're thinking about this model. So they, you know, they are, they're already having a membership with you. They're already potentially purchasing training and have an account on your system right now. And then you're going to sell to their organization who is then, you know, wanting to give them access to the content that they've purchased. So you've now got to sort of handle um, that relationship because you've now got a sort of a two-pronged relationship with one of your members. And that's another element that, that is obviously not specific to the e-commerce portion of it, but it's something to consider is how you handle that and what, you know, how do you, you know, how do you handle their accounts and you know um, how do you handle things like uh, data privacy because you know if you share an account then potentially the organization can see information about them that they've done externally through their own private membership that you don't want them to see and um, through the organization membership so there's a, 
again a whole other <laughs> um, element of of uh, of uh, complexity there. That again, it's it's really a business decision how you handle that. But there's a, certainly a lot of things to consider there. Wow, wow! Like all of our conversations. Uh, we use up our time in a hurry. Uh, it feels like so, uh, <laughs> including this one. So I've got about five more questions I wanted to ask you that we don't have time for. So we'll we'll have to save them. Uh, maybe some of them for our uh, our live webinar here coming up uh, this week to to dig in a little deeper. Uh, but maybe for a, a final parting question is, you know, you work with a lot of associations that are you know undergoing that transition from you know live courses to online courses to you know, the, the sale of content now the sale of content to business partners and you see people go through that uh, that process time and time again or organizations rather go through that process time and time again uh, what's your best advice for somebody uh, getting started in, the, in this process of uh, selling content to companies or businesses what's what's the best way to get started Oh, that's a that's a tough question. I mean, I, think, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think from from my perspective, certainly some of the advice would be to really get a clear picture of from a you know separate to the systems from a business perspective what you're trying to do and how you want to model it. Because I think if you end up with you could end up with large amounts of different offerings, you know, trying to fill every gap. I think if you, if you can identify one or two approaches to how you want to sell the content to the organizations, be that as a library or individual access or, you know, really what your service is to them. Certainly, and obviously that can evolve over time, but I think if you can identify the best way for your business to do that initially, that's a, that's a good starting point. And then, I think then following, then everything else sort of follows, falls into place after that, which is, you know, how do you manage the, the contracts if it's in the, as I said, in the AMS or CRM, or if it's in the LMS, or if it's self-serve, all of that will sort of flow out of, I think, naturally flows out of really what your decision is and how you're going to sell it initially. Wow. Wow. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, sage advice. Linda Bauer, CTO, WBT Systems. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining in and for another episode of the Talented Learning Show. Hopefully, you learned a lot here about business-to-business, -business, commerce for associations. You can find more and learn more uh, about uh, WBT Systems at WBTSystems.com. Uh, and you can find more of our content at TalentedLearning.com. Thanks and have a great day.